Welcome back to Mages and Murder Dads, the best show dedicated to the Baldur's Gate franchise and beyond. I'm Cameron, and I play Ticklevar the Sorcerer. And I'm Danny, and I play Balthazar, the Barbarian. The Barbarian. This is episode 40, and today we're hunting down the other ball spawn. The other other ball spawn. The other other ball spawn. I can't believe it's not ball spawn. It's a lot. There are a lot of them, and one was just, one made a very quick appearance and was just gone. The one we killed at the very beginning of this At the game. very beginning. That was just like a, like a, just a punk. Mm-hmm. We took a, we took a break. Uh, two weeks ago, an episode did not come out. We took a little holiday break. We took a holiday break because we have, we have families. Well, you have a son. I have a son. You have a wife. Mm, citation needed. Mm, well. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> one of one of us is telling the truth and the other is lying. Ooh, the one of us only tells the truth and one of us only <laughs> lies. Mm-hmm. How do you do it? Th- this is a real Baldur's Gate moment, huh? Mm-hmm. Murder. Uh, the answer is murder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh, you can check us out on Twitter. Uh, that's down in the description below. You can uh, check us out on Facebook. That's also in the description below. You can follow us both on Twitter rather than just Range Touch. And uh, if you uh, if you if you if you like this video that you're currently listening to, you can hit subscribe and or like on this very video where you're watching it. How convenient is that? How can YouTube makes it so easy and we haven't even done like a heinous crime or anything like that. No. Oh, Lord. We deserve our likes. And you know what? We don't even monetize this. Well, you know what, though? They could go. And support us on Patreon. <laughs> there you go. And 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 that's why you want to support us on Patreon, because we're not shoving ads down your face. Mm-hmm. If you want YouTube. ads shoved down your face, go over to Patreon. Mm-hmm. And just listen to our 40-minute ad for Last Jedi, which yeah, is we free. Did a, did a free Last Jedi uh, podcast. It's fun. Uh, and we have a monthly podcast and uh, some other neat stuff over there. But yeah. uh, at the very beginning of this episode... Mm-hmm. Danny, at the very beginning, I'm doing a lot of leaning in and out here. Mm-hmm. At the very, at the very, at the very beginning of this episode, we've got a big question. Yes, the return of the big question. The return of the big question. The big question this week, invented by me last mm. week, is, is it possible to do a good twist in a Dungeons and Dragons video game. Can I answer? It's open to the floor. I think it is possible. I think the answer to this question is ultimately going to be a uh it's ultimately going to be a discussion of the, the nature of what a good twist can be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But my gut instinct is that yes, it is possible for there to be a good twist in a video game. I, it may be out outside uh, the the rubric or outside the the kind of industry standard. It may be a little subversive, but I, th- I think it's possible in a Dungeons and Dragons video game. Yeah, I'm very specific about about this because I agree. Like, it's possible to do a good twist, right? Like, mm-hmm. love it or hate it, you know, Bioshock got a good twist. Well, ultimately, I think this comes down to. When you say Dungeons and Dragons, you're saying this very uh, intentionally, and mm-hmm. I totally appreciate that. I think that there are two schools of thought here. 
Mm-hmm. One is Dungeons and Dragons and its rule set is merely a substrata upon which like the, it is the fundamental assumptions of the universe and like the laws of physics basically. Mm-hmm. And then everything can be built up from there. And in that way, anything that is possible in any other kind of fictional world, cyberpunk, western, you know, kind of a seven samurai situation, etc., right? Mm-hmm. Any any kind of dramatic turn or twist that is possible in those realms should be possible in a Dungeons and Dragons video game that I just described, right? Where there are these fundamental assumptions about the mechanics of the world and, and how the physics work. And, you know, surely, I don't think that there's anything inherent in those that eliminates good twists. The other conception of Dungeons and Dragons is not that it is merely a set of assumptions about the the foundational facts of the world. Mm-hmm. Another way of thinking about it would be Dungeons and Dragons is that plus this gargantuan set of baggage around narrative tropes and the Mm -hmm. way villains work and the way heroes work and traditional fantasy, not just traditional fantasy, but like fantasy writ small fantasy in a very narrow realm of like the way it is expressed in D and D modules and Dungeons and Dragons novels. Right. So which are we going for here? Are you is, is like the reason why this this question popped into your head is like when you said Dungeons and Dragons video game, were you talking thinking about the latter of the dichotomy that I just proposed? I, I Somewhere in the realm of the latter. Right. Because I don't mm-hmm. think it's just like a, a bunch of tropes. It's about also the expe- the expectation of what a player should be able to do. Mm-hmm. Right, because like in your first example of is it as the substrate uh, like mechanical assumptions, right? Yes. The I mean that's like uh, we can do that with anything, right? Mm-hmm. So Fallout, kind of famously, the original Fallout game is based on GURPS, and mm-hmm. it, it uses it ultimately didn't secure the license for GURPS, so it kind of changed changed it just enough to be legally distinct. Um, but but that's kind of the basis uh, for that, and so yeah, I agree that that uh, it's possible that the rule set. Well, maybe I'll say it this way: the rule set for D anD D does not encompass everything we would say is D anD D, right? Okay, I think, yes. I think we could agree with that, right? Mutually agree. Um, and, and so I think that the difference is not just fantasy tropes, because not all of those are necessarily true, right? Eberron is still D anD D. Which yes. has some of those same tropes, but not other tropes. Dark uh, Sun, Dark Sun, one hundred percent, or Spelljammer, right? Mm-hmm. Like very weird stuff that that doesn't fit the f- high fantasy narrative tropes. But there are some assumptions about player agency, in the yeah. sense of like the player being able to self determine uh, their position in the world and the flow of narrative, and uh, in about the inherent goodness of the player. That like the the player can self define a good and then go for it, because it like in these D and D video games it's still very difficult to do. Even though you can be evil and have an evil party, it's pretty hard to do like truly heinous things. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't kill all of the the. You can't go kill Belt right, yeah, and get away with it right. The game will just stop. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that like within that realm, it's hard to do. Without subverting or disempowering the way that players function and the way they work in the world, I think it's hard to do a good twist. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Ken, is a good twist possible in an Elder Scrolls game? 
I can't think of a very good one. So this is, I think it's it's a similar mm-hmm. problem. It seems like a similar obstacle. Yes. Too much agency. There are certain assumptions built into like, you're going to start an Elder Scrolls game and you're going to bust out of prison somehow or, or like be released. Mm-hmm. And... You'll be able to go anywhere you want, right? And you can you you have these certain questions about player agency. Um, are we taught when so like example that comes to my mind? We've definitely talked about this on the show before, but it sticks out in my mind. Uh, this is a Oblivion quest, Fighters mm-hmm. Guild, mm-hmm. end of the Fighters Guild chain in Oblivion. You are. Uh, tasked with going to kill these werewolves, you drink a potion in order to, like, uh, give yourself the courage necessary to do it, and you kill all of these monsters, and then the potion wears off, and you realize, oh my god, all of the monsters I killed were people. You were the bad guy the whole time. You were, oh my god, you were the bad guy the whole time. Mm-hmm. Bad twist? Are you saying, no, that's a bad twist? I mean, I think I'm pretty much on record saying that that, that form of twist is a bad twist. Because those are the twists that are present in all of the Baldur's Gate games, right? Oh, you yeah. you did you were the one that did the bad one, exactly. Or they were the good ones the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Like th- mm-hmm. that's the two versions of that. Yeah, there's a there's a, a, a quotation in the opening of uh, the Secret History of Twin Peaks from Mark Frost, where he uh, distinguishes between a secret and a mystery. Okay, and the the, the twist that we were talking about is just a secret. Like, there is a true answer to it, and it is a simple reversal. Uh, but I think a good twist, like, needs a mystery to it. Can uh, you give me an example of a good twist in a video game? The uh, This is going to be spoilers for a video game. I'm, I'm sorry for people who have to deal with that. Here is a spoiler. It's coming. I'll do your doodly. doodly I'll put that in here. Mm-hmm. It's a... Uh, yeah, KOTOR 2. KOTOR 2 is entirely a twist. Okay, now t- tell the audience what the twist is in that game. Uh, I've played of, it, but it's been a while. The twist of that is that Kreia is uh, ultimately... The- she's theoretically helping you the entire time, but she is using you to subvert not only like a small micro part of the world, but the very notion of the light side and the dark side. Like, it is a systemically built up from the bottom complete reversal of all of the assumptions about the way that this uh, the world of star wars even works so this is different from kreia merely but just being a sith lord yeah right yeah. like that she merely, was bad and she tries to stab you at the she end. was bad oh my gosh i thought this person was the light side but this person is the dark side mm-hmm. uh i've been i've been tricked i've been had rather the twist is you aren't even you thought that there was a dichotomy and you were on one side of it, but in fact, you have been an agent of destroying that dichotomy. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. That the dichotomy doesn't even exist, right? That mm-hmm. that the assumptions you were making. And I guess this is very similar to the, the twist in Bioshock, which is that uh, you believe there's two different sides that are kind of at war with one another, but in fact, the reality is, is you are, or like your mission is uh, orthogonal to even what they are concerned with. Um, okay. Can we think of a twist in any media that isn't that, oh, you thought it was X versus Y, but in fact, that's not a dichotomy? Because we've already said, oh, the mere inversion, bad twist. Mm-hmm. Um, a subversion, oh, that's a good twist, like getting, like demolishing a dichotomy. Is there another type of twist? Because that, it would, like, a good twist in a D&D game would have to, re- re- like, reside in that third category. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, I'm kind of partial to the the usual suspects version. Of, okay. Of uh, a character has been has endeared themselves to you so sufficiently that you believe they are infallible. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, you have been hoodwinked in the same way that other characters have. I find that that pretty good. That's a little close to what Saravok does in Baldur's Gate 1, but I feel mm-hmm. like the uh, it sticks the landing maybe a little bit more. It could yeah. be that Baldur's Gate 1 was trying to, to mimic the usual suspects. Uh, I, yeah, I, th- it has to be... A D&D video game has to do... In order for there to be a good twist, I think that it's too big of a... It would break fundamental <laughs> fundamental assumptions about the genre in order to subvert anything, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you'd have to, like... It would be a, a video game that takes place in the Forgotten Realms and be like, no, actually, there's only one god. Mm-hmm. Right? Something weird like that, or, yeah, or like... Yeah, it would have to be some, like, micro... It could not be, like, a big uh, at-scale thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? It would have to be, you know, two rival rival thieves' guilds or, yeah, um, like, three gods in one or something like that. Yeah, but it's still, all of these are still kind of relying on the player becoming invested in, like, a quest-giver or, like, doing a thing because they think they're trying to accomplish X, yeah. But in fact, like, so it's still a little cheap feeling. Yeah. I think that the usual suspects is the better route. But even then, player agency can short circuit uh, usual suspects in a way that you just can't short circuit that in film, right? Yeah. Self-directed, the problem of self-directed um, heroic players mm-hmm. seems to be a hard problem to solve. Uh, you don't have to, we don't have to talk spoilers, but does does Tacoma have a twist? I don't. I didn't think it had a twist. I thought it had a mystery that it solved. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's a little different. It's, it was kind of like a. Uh, I don't think a Sherlock Holmes short story is a twist, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you're, and and also, uh, so I do think that like Dungeons and Dragons could pull off something similar to Tacoma if the game begins in Meteor Race, and it's just like the players slowly figuring out what the motivations of the protagonist are, right? Um, but. That's not a twist, as you just said. So I think that the answer to this big question might be maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe I a good it, twist yeah, is possible yeah. in Dungeons uh, and Dragons. But you have to like bend the format some, I think. You do. And I think that I'm okay with that. Just in a like, general way. In a general sense, yeah. If if there was another uh you know, Wizards of the Coast or Forgotten Realms uh, one-off game. Like, I understand that the D- that the D&D team has, like, very tight control over, like, their IP and stuff that happens, right? Mm-hmm. I-, I think that you even said that, like, it all goes across one person's desk, to, like, for final approval. Yeah, Chris Perkins has, he's, like, the story editor or something like that. He has final approval, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I wonder if uh, I wonder if D and D would ever be willing to, in the same way that comic books, right? You, well, you, you know, you'll just inhabit for a world, and there's like an understanding. Hey, this is all going to reset. Like the the choices made in this one series is like a parallel universe or like a one off, and mm-hmm. they aren't going to affect the rest of the ecosystem. It would be fun to like see a talented team with the richness of Forgotten Realms and like all the things they could pull on. Um, 
to see what people would come up with if they were just saying, hey, go go hog wild, right? As long as owlbears yeah. have beaks, you're, see what you can do. Yeah. I, that's a really good point because, you know, the comic books do big world-ending events like Flashpoint or Final Crisis or any of those things. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of universally, not universally, but a lot of people will hate them because they reset continuity. But, and they have like these widespread effects that interrupt all these other stories. But I think what you're pointing out, which is really important, is that that's the only kind of event that D&D can do in the Forgotten Realms. You can only do a big status quo changing event. Spell plague. Spell plague. Spell plague. Every time. Trouble, time plague. of troubles. Time of troubles. Mm-hmm. Trouble time. Like those are, and with every edition, it, it's kind of like that. And uh, I don't know, when, when fifth edition is kind of winding down and they're working on sixth, whenever that happens, right? I, I would love to see, I'd love to see some like uh, a, a cool team take over, like be given the reins and said, hey, How's how's the Forgotten Realms going down this time, mm-hmm. right? And and have it be done in a, like a video game form, like and, and because the novels have been, you know, discontinued, right? Mm-hmm. So have that major event happen in a in D and D form, and and have the have this major change experience be experienced by by the gamers. It can be very good too. Uh, I would love it to be like a big splat book that's like, you know forgotten realms apocalypse and it's like five or six different scenarios of what happened mm-hmm. and then right like a little uh an adventure like a tales from the yawning portal style adventure for each one anyway that's a long time we spent on a, a big question but i think it's an important question um because i think that this at this point during this chapter uh throne of ball is trying to deliver a twist to us yeah and i think it is a clumsy one i think it Mm -hmm. is a non-compelling one yeah i mean it was one of those things where this is the first time i've ever played this i did not read any spoilers Mm -hmm. to call this a twist is very generous but it it does feel like it's supposed to be right it's got yeah it does like they it's certainly it's one of those things it's engineered to look like one um but I do think that a twist does have to like surprise you in some way. If it's not surprising at all, that just feels like a uh, feels like we're going through the motions here. Yeah, and I think that's a problem. Sure. Uh, so we 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 got Sendai last time, right? This is this is where where we begin. Uh, yes. So we we are now three ball spawn down. Hmm. There was some Joker that just confronted us right when we booted up, thrown a ball. Mm-hmm. There was Yagashura, uh, giant, um, invulnerable, but Achilles heel type situation. Um, we got Yagashura. We got Sendai, Drow, powerful, was was uh, gathering all of these allies. Did, did not work out for Sendai. No. And now we're coming for somebody named Abazagal. 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 And we go to Abazagal's lair, handily marked on our map. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Confirmed. Yes. So what happened, Danny, when you when you went to Abazagal's lair? Well, before I even get inside, um Abazagal's son confronts me. 
Yeah. And whose and, name is if you haven't if you haven't picked <laughs> up what's going on with a Basigal yet. A Basigal's son is named Draconis. Is named Draconis, correct? Mm-hmm. In the same way that my last name is Humanman. But um so anyway, Draconis initially thinks that I'm uh, a uh, an emissary of the other Balthazar, and I say no, I'm I'm the other Balthazar, mm-hmm. and I say, hey, stand aside. I don't have any beef with you. You're not the person on my quest scroll right now, yep, buddy. And uh, Draconis does not back off. And uh, and I tell him to stand aside, and he does him not back off, and it just does not end well for him. I'll tell you that. So it's an interesting fight, because you fight him as a human for a minute. And he summons some invisible stalkers, I believe. Yeah. And uh, when he gets down to, when you kill him, he transforms into an owlbear. Uh, and he transforms into, I think it's a... It's a second edition Chimera. Oh, oh, the the good one. That's what you're the good me. one, yeah. No, he turns into a dragon. He turns into a dragon, and uh, pretty tough little dragon, huh? Yeah. I So I have in my show notes here, I wrote, he's good at kicking ass and getting his ass kicked. And that's something that I wrote in in my physical notes. Like, I, I scribbled down, and I actually don't know what I meant by that. But yeah, he, he is a... Uh, a difficult little fight. I, I I had a pretty easy time doing the first half, mm-hmm. and a very hard time doing the second half. So so, how did you beat him? Uh, made him transform into a dragon. Uh huh. Then I let left left the area. Mm-hmm. Saved, came back into the area. Um, and then then so that I was like full health initiating the fight with him just as a dragon. Right, uh. um, because that's kind of the hard part of the fight for, uh, to me. Yeah, and starting at full health is kind of necessary. I tried various, uh, various kind of uh, means with my weapons. Like I used uh, kind of every combination, and I really regret that uh, when I beat Baldur's Gate Two. If you have not placed all of your items in either the bag of holding that you have with you, or uh, in the Watcher's Keep, all of your items from Baldur's Gate 2 are just gone, right? Like, I, I have no access to any of those items now. Like the I ones that you stored on that At Joaquin's Promenade. Yep. I see, yeah. So, uh, so they're all gone. I really wish I would have kept the silver sword around. It was like a two-handed sword that had a 5% chance of killing things when, when I hit them. Mm. That seems good. <laughs> and it would have worked on this. Uh, but ultimately what I did is I have Fobane, this bastard sword, and I have it up to plus five. I got it on the second level of Watcher's Keep, just because I, like, wanted that bastard sword. Mm-hmm. And I upgraded it with a plus five from some item I picked up and thrown a ball. And every time I hit something with it, it casts Larrick's Minor Drain, and it's just like a life tap. Mm-hmm. So I equipped that in one hand and a shield in the other. To, like, get my AC to, like, negative 11 or negative 12. And at that point, I was just, like, I wasn't hitting him very hard or very fast. But he was not hitting me. And in the few times that he did hit me, I would just regain my health after hitting him with the Bastard Sword. Mm. And that's how it happened. That's some real strategy. Yeah, a real, a challenging fight. A challenging fight. 
so Tickelvar went into this and, and did that first part pretty easily and then mm-hmm. got into the dragon part and, uh, you know, Valigar would die and, and Saravok would die and then Viconia would die. And then, you know, it's just, it's all downhill. Uh, mm-hmm. once that front line is gone and I probably did this for, uh, 40 or 50 minutes. I, it took a long time. This is a real dragon fight. It's a real dragon fight. You know how good I've been at dragon fights in the past. Mm-hmm. I did bad. I've done very bad. Um, and so what I did is I went and figured out how to turn console commands on, and then I killed it in one hit. Oh, my lord. You cheated. I've done it. So do you think you would have been able to beat Draconis without console commands given enough time? I don't know, honestly. I think you I honestly might have had don't to like, know. go grind some levels or something. Um, did you use scrolls of like resist poison resist? I didn't. I did not. Or no, no like potions of resist or anything like that. He was really just like hitting me. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, I, I wouldn't even say it was like any in particular special ability that was killing me off. He just hits really hard. What's your party again? You got Saravok, Valagar. Um, Viconia. There's three, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the others? Ticklevar. Ticklevar. Nira. Nira. And... Who else? Someone else, clearly. Oh, and Mazzy. And Mazzy. Yeah. Mm. So a lot of a lot of people on the front line, and the wing buffet is a problem, right? Like the thing that knocks everybody down. Yeah, the problem really is positioning after after you get him into dragon form. No, I think that the way you win that fight, I think you've got to leave and come back but so then, that you like start. But the problem is then all of my characters are right in front of the room, right? Mm-hmm. Like there, there's no way to reposition. It was just a, it was just a difficult fight. Yeah, yeah. Took a lot I think of it's do. I think it should be doable. I think but, I'm, yeah. just, I think I'm a little under leveled for it. Honestly, you may be. You may yeah. be. I'm. I've been at max levels since, uh, since the the fucking beholders in BG two, like <laughs> episode whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I think I'm level twenty six across the board. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm also not, you know, particularly good at the game. Well, th- there, there we have it. What a, what a n- moment of ignobility that mm-hmm. you have. So m- my, uh, my desire for the rest of this game mm-hmm. is to never fight a dragon again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm, we'll see how that turns out. I'm good. Well, you know what? Spoilies. <laughs> but I did fight <laughs> another dragon, and something similar might have happened. Oh, my God. Um. But yeah, beyond dragons, I, th- I think I'm good. Because uh, mm-hmm. like, what's funny, right, is that like, uh, Irenicus at the end of Baldur's Gate Two was that was fine. Like, I didn't. That took like two or three tries. But mm-hmm. uh, but the dragons are taking me consistently like fifteen, twenty tries to do it, and some of them I can't even do right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so D- dragons are the iconic hard enemies of this series, 100%. right? Like, I feel like there's almost like when they when they made the this area. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, well, we've got to have dragons and throne of ball because there's dragons in every other game in the series, right? Confirmed. Even BG one, yeah. And uh, they're notoriously hard. I think there was almost some one-upsmanship 
happening here, right? Like, yeah. well, these these dragons have to be head and shoulders harder than any other encounter in the game. Yeah, and that is just not why I'm playing this game, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a real bummer, because as we get toward the end of Throne of Ball, or I guess we're at the halfway point of Throne of Ball, I feel like what I am in this game for, which is, like, interesting storytelling, is almost completely gone from the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we'll talk about the rest of this section, but I was pretty deeply unimpressed with what what happens here. And well, that, I might, mean, that might be influenced by the fact that I spent like an hour beating my head up against this first dragon before figuring out how console commands work, but um, mm, that was not fun. The rest of kind of the way this area is designed after you kill Draconis. You take his head. You gotta have the head to get in. You cannot skip this fight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's like a door right behind him, and you have to pick up his head to open the door. Mm-hmm. Which is just and a you real... Get- it's a, yeah. <laughs> like yeah anyway um i think there's a really interesting uh what if uh you didn't have to kill him right and you could just you could run around him or sneak past him or something like that or spawn and, in his head with console commands or spawn in his head with console commands um and you could, like, do the rest of this area without the head, but getting the head would get you some bonus, right? Mm. Or Perhaps it would be, like, like a, cho- showing... like a moral choice. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, in any case, you get past Draconis, and the interior basically has... It's like a series of puzzles. There is one large room with these vents, with these steaming pools, and... Most of the pools you can't get down because uh, the 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 passageway you would have to swim through is so long you wouldn't be able to hold your breath, right? Mm-hmm. And there are also some of those, some of these that require a rope somehow to like get down into them or something like that. So, but there is one that you can swim through. Yep. And basically, it is a go through area, kill some. Koatoa kills some like ice salamanders or frost salamanders, kills some like golems for some reason, get like a little piece of uh, like, you know, fill up a little bottle to get the breath potion. And then you can go through another thing. And then when you go through that other thing, oh, you can get a rope and like all of those things. Mm-hmm. There is, there's kind of one in this process, there's one kind of p- plot important, arguably, uh, piece of this puzzle in that uh who do we meet in the kuotoa kind of area oh good lord it is Mm -hmm. a monk from balthazar's uh monastery okay and remember that's what draconis said right he was like Mm -hmm. are you another emissary being sent by balthazar Mm -hmm. and i had to be like no a no i'm not Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, and then, then of course, they use console commands. But for this guy, he, I think he believes you're going to murder him first, right? He uh, actually hallucinates. He says, oh, get away from me with those claws of yours. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, or you could have claws. Or I could have claws. Or, I mean, he could just be... He could be really anxious and, and filled with shock because he's been tortured. By he has him. been. By and, fish people. And you say, hey, hey, buddy, why have you, why are you here? Yeah. And he's like, hey, don't worry about it. 
I won't tell you. I'd rather die than tell you. I won't tell you. I'm dying anyway. Um, sorry. R.I.P. But me. yeah, and then he kind of like he, spills the beans about the like the structure of this dungeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there is a wizard here who is Abazagal's like right hand wizard, or at least like mm. in his employ. There is a another dragon here, a good dragon who is, or maybe a neutral dragon. I don't know. Another who dragon. has been imprisoned by a Gesh. Yep. Uh, and uh, in, to protect Abazagal's lair. Yes. And so you can talk to the wizard. He says, hey, talk to this wizard. You can get a scroll to break the the spell and then let mm-hmm. that dragon go. And then you'll be able to get to Abazagal. Peace out, bye. And he dies. Yeah. Yep. So we now know. So now we have get breath potion. Get rope. Get scroll. Get Abic. Uh, a Bazigal. That's like yep. how, and like the, the the game is very upfront about all of this. Yeah, and in between all of these, there will be like two fights. Mm-hmm. And I just don't find this. You, you know, we've we've kind of talked a, a few times about how some of these dungeons feel uh, real good. They kind of got like a clockwork feel to them. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a quest or a dungeon that has a clockwork feel to it. I felt like this was padding almost. Mm. Um. Like, did you find any of these characters particularly interesting? No, and I think, and here's the reason: I think that the issue is that it's too, it's too streamlined. Mm-hmm. I think there, I, I don't feel like an ecosystem here. Yeah, I like the, uh, I like the dungeons to walk the line between, you know interesting narrative content that you can just kind of go through and like an ecosystem a more gygaxian ecosystem where ooh, there are these different you know species or, or little groups of monsters that live in this kind of ecosystem and they have this symbiotic relationship and, and they've had all these problems and you can kind of tackle it in several different ways the only real choice there there and there are a couple of choices but they're choices that you always get to they're not choices that you stumble upon and be like, ooh, that's a little thing that I... So I don't feel clever going through this. Yeah, you don't really get a sense of accomplishment for discovering any of these little secrets. Yeah, maybe that is it, right? That, like, it since every breadcrumb along the chain gives you the next breadcrumb, like, that, the, the person being tortured tells you what you're supposed to do, and then... Mm-hmm. The wizard, which we'll talk about in a second, he tells you exactly what you need to do, and then you do that. Yeah, I, I think that like there is no, uh, there's no moment to even pause here and like kind of figure out what to do. And you know, I hate wandering around looking for stuff like as much as the next person does, but I do think there's some value in just exploring and seeing what's up in this little enclave. Um, and maybe it speaks to my vanity or what have you. Um, or my, my ego, but I love it when a game makes me feel clever. Yeah. Right? Like, isn't that a fun part of playing a video game like this and, and being like, ooh, I stumbled upon this thing. I feel good. I feel competent. Yeah. And the you're just kind of just going. There's an illusion. I think the game is trying hard to recapture parts of, like, the Underdark. Mm-hmm. Or there's, like, a really good chapter in Siege of Dragon Spear where you go to the quasi-Underdark. Mm-hmm. There's all that stuff going on, yeah, right, like underneath like Dragon that, Spear Castle, exactly. And there's all these subsystems working, 
right? Mm-hmm. And you can you can kind of engage one of those subsystems that can affect the others. Yeah, there's you know? like a water elemental. There's that druid down there. There's a yeah. giant who's like pissed off. And it makes sense, like the as, as as an ecosystem. And I think that there are parts of this, like your our interactions with Icaneth the Mad, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is going to give us a quest, and we can kind of go several different ways about getting getting the scroll. Uh, is trying to evoke that feeling, but because it is just a point on a linear progression. It doesn't do it. I think that those kind of quests shine in a non-linear sandboxy situation. Yeah, I think so too. All right, well, let's talk about this uh, this wizard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you go into the, this next chamber in the the daisy chain of, of chambers, and there's a lot of like I forget what the name of this creature is, but it's a skull that flies around. Yeah, um, they've been in maybe all of the editions of Dungeons and Dragons sure they're fine um they're kind of annoying here because enough can be attacking you at once to kill somebody um Mm -hmm. i don't think you have that problem probably no um but yeah you kind of progress through this area and you can dive down into water again and it kind of teleports you around the map it does not Mm -hmm. do anything of value sadly uh this maybe is another thing that i find frustrating about this whole section is that there's a cool mechanic here that for the most part, is spent teleporting you around the exact same map over and over again. Sure. Right, because like in, you know, remember in Siege of Dragonspear when uh, you're in that cave and you can dive into the water and it's just like some trolls hanging out? You can just fight some trolls? I would have preferred a little bit more of that if we're going to be doing this here. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway. So he's there and he says like, you know, hello. I'm I can't the mad. I am. A he's Bos- real angry. He's real angry. He's a Bazagal's favored wizard, favored servant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tells you that there is a goth, like the the little beholder guy, who was mm-hmm. hanging around recently. Well, hold on. Before you okay. get to that, okay. there's some of the best. I, I will give it this. Okay. There's some of the best dialogue in the game. I think. Um, okay. What are you What are you doing here? Uh, hey, I want this uh, scroll reversal. And he's like, ooh, that's a delicacy. Or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, do you serve it with leeks? And I was like, no, 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 a scroll or reversal. And he's like, well, you know, I, there, might, there might be one. I'm reading it now. Mm-hmm. I might have one floating ar- about my underwear drawer like a weasel and twisting them into the most frightful knots. You get the picture. And I was like, sure, sure, sure. He's really playing up the the lunacy aspect of mad and not the angry part of mad mm-hmm. here. But this is the best dialogue. Yes, can I have the scroll? Balthazar says. Never say I'm I'm like mean. Mm-hmm. I'm asking for something. And is, I can if the mad says I don't know how they do things where you come from, but here in Abazigal's enclave, we work for our scrolls of reversal. I really like that. I don't. I don't like it. You don't like that? I don't like it. I don't like all that preamble. Like that's a good line. But it is oh, but, but you the uh, the the ridiculous stuff like killed yeah, it for you like, in front. Crazy quote unquote crazy wizard is not compelling to me. Like even a little bit. Yeah, I was thinking that too, and and uh, it's a shame that they uh, that they put that in there because uh, you remember spectator. Sorry. The the hold on. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm back. You remember spectator? I do remember spectator. This, uh, but around here, we work for our scrolls of reversal, is very evocative of some of Spectator's dialogue. 100%. And, I, and you know, I love Spectator Beholder, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not averse to any of this, but I just think that like zany loony wizard is yeah it's 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 super played out it's kind of silly it's yeah and it's played out within this game already too right yeah like like i am over it i don't think that that's like an interesting way to write characters i guess Mm -hmm. uh within this world but oh well but yeah so he says that there was a goth here recently Mm -hmm. and that it had a pretty eyeball it had like pretty eyes and that he mm-hmm. wants us to retrieve the eyeball. I don't do that. What did you do? I killed him. <laughs> well, it's, so I went into like the next little area, and there was a goth there, and there were a bunch of like elder orbs hanging out with it. Lord. And I killed it and the elder orbs. Beholders are like not a problem at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, dragons, different story. And you know what? That's actually very disappointing. I understand why beholders can't be as powerful as dragons in this mm-hmm. game because what makes uh, beholders so powerful in D&D is that they have eight eye stalks and all of them can fire in a turn theoretically sure right so but each of those things individually is isn't the worst thing other than like the ray of disintegration or whatever it's called sure petrification maybe on the super powerful ones yeah but uh, but a dragon, like, single shot, you know, fire breath or whatever, breath weapon, uh, big swiping claw, mm-hmm. those single actions are more powerful. But I wish that Beholders were just a little bit more dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I never saw any of that content. I didn't even go into that area. It's just one room, so you literally mm-hmm. are missing nothing. I came back, and I gave it to him, and he was like, hey, thanks. Uh, there's also an option to, like, depetrify some adventurers who were there and and contract them to go fetch the uh and i think i i believe i will say that this is a good line i think he does actually specifically say subcontract mm-hmm. which is funny like i said i think that they it's a, it's a real shame that they they leaned into the zany mm-hmm. or loony i think is a, is a, like the more appropriate term with this character mm-hmm. uh because Otherwise, like a character like this, just like have a have a wizard that breaks the fourth wall, you know? Yeah, yeah. What's the what's to lose? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like in D anD D, you can only break the fourth wall if you're crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's a, in, like an endearing in, uh, character trait. In Marvel, you can only break the fourth wall if you're like an asshole. If you're Deadpool. Yeah, but that's also the same thing, right? He's crazy, he's zany, and weird. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's got like multiple mm. personalities because in the the comic book, or at least like the Danny Way comics, right? He has three different voices. Mm. Like it's established at some point that in the comics, uh, or at least in in some of the Deadpool comics, that the the narratorial voice, his actual dialogue, and then his internal dialogue can all talk to one another. They are like distinct entities. Can we do, can we like start seeing fiction where people with mental illness are like portrayed with various roles? <laughs> I, I, and then people, and then people who are like, I don't know, weird, like, or break the fourth wall or say things are not portrayed as having mental illness. It would be good. Like, can we just, like, switch that up occasionally just so it doesn't, just so it stops being old, you know? Yeah, I'll get in there. I, just have, like, a very serious accountant with multiple personalities. Yeah. That sounds way more interesting. In a comic book. 
or in a movie yeah. or in a game. Yeah, yeah, sure. Preaching to the choir over here. Okay. Well, you know. But anyway, we get this scroll, and we go up to, to talk to Yasatat. Yasatat. Yes. Attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I go up there and I'm like, hey, I got this scroll. Uh, I'm going to let you free, blah, blah, blah. And this dragon, you tell me what happened with this dragon. I'll tell you exactly how this went down. This was a little infuriating, mm-hmm. to be honest. So, uh, Yesitat is, uh, is bewitched by a, uh, a Gesh, as, as, we, as we determine the pronunciation. Uh, you've determined that. Well, I put it into Google and I hit the pronounce button. And they so, told you? And they told me. God damn, they know D&D. Yeah. It's apparently, I think it's like, uh, like Celtic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I say, Hey, I I can, I can break this Gesh. Sure. And I break it and they're like, and they're like, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm blowing this popsicle stand. (laughs) And I say, well, hold on. You got to give me the Wardstone. You said you could do that for me. And they said, well, you're, you're, you're like a tiny puny weakling and you're an idiot to bargain with a dragon. I don't care. Uh, but I don't like, you know, a Bazigal. So for this one situation, I will give you the Wardstone. At which point, Yisitat starts walking away and turns into the human form. Mm-hmm. And I, like, c- click the sword and attack her. <laughs> okay. Because that's really insulting and... uh Look, I do I hate slavery? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I freed Yesitat, and Yesitat was no longer a slave and was deeply disrespectful after being freed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I attacked, but it did not matter. I swung a few times, but the, the Yesitat despawned. I mean, worse than telling you what to do, Yesitat told you what you should have done, mm. which can't be corrected. No. And you can never come back from that. From knowing no. that you might have done a thing bad. The worst. Yeah, it's like retroactively mm-hmm. telling you what telling to you what to do. Exactly. <laughs> and then the only way ba- and Balthazar doesn't have like a means to punish that without a time machine where I would retroactively kill you. That's the worst thing like, possible is to give Balthazar <laughs> a time machine. <laughs> the worst possible reality. God, someone mm-hmm. make that fan game, though. <laughs> like a twine game of Balthazar warping around the important uh, events of the Forgotten Realms. It would just be people insulting him, him going back in time and killing him, killing them. And then, like, in the process of killing him, somebody else would insult him. And he would just continue to go back in time until he killed, like, the proverbial Adam and Eve, right? <laughs> like, all of humanity <laughs> is gone. <laughs> Oh, okay. So then we go in this room. A Bazigal is there. A yes. Bazigal is like human because you know dragons have a humanoid and a not humanoid form. Mm-hmm. It's an orc, I guess. He's an orc, orc, half orc. There's kind of this. It's supposed to be a reveal that a Bazigal is a dragon, even though we know that Draconis is a Bazigal's son. Yeah, and Draconis is definitely a dragon. Um, there's some dialogue that's like. Uh, where a Bazigal hints that he's a dragon, and one of the options you can say to a Bazigal is like, "Well, hold on, you're—I thought you were just a half breed." Oh, because people have referred to mm-hmm. uh, a Bazigal as a half breed. 
And of course, one of those halves is a dragon. <laughs> like that's the that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But what um, half? Half dragon, half god? A dragon, from what I hear, you're nothing but a mongrel half breed. That is a thing the player character can say in this that's game. Bad. Um, I opted for saying, you sound like your son Draconis. I enjoyed killing him, too. Damn. That's pretty bad, too. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know how this works. There is... There's Ball running around, like, 40 years ago, tops. Uh, like, having children everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that means this dragon could only be, like, 40 years old. And then his son would have to be younger than that. But 40 years old for a dragon is like a little bitty baby dragon, right? Like, that's not an adult yes. dragon. So, like, like this begins to spiral out of control for me, I think. Mm. I don't, I don't, I think there's some, uh, it, I get why you would make it a dragon, because that's very cool. But it is mm-hmm. not very consistent. And I'm sure that there's going to be someone uh, who, like, on Reddit or in the comments here who has a very good reason why this is true. Everyone knows that divine blood accelerates the maturation process of dragons. Mm. Rude. But okay, so so we go in there and you you fought a Bazigal, I'm assuming. Yeah, I fought a Bazigal. I killed a few of the frost uh, salamanders. I lured him uh, into the corner. Mm Mm-hmm. And I fought him a little bit, mm-hmm. making sure to, like, drink potions. I used a potion of haste. Because, uh, like, the big thing is cooldown, like the global cooldown. Yeah. Which is a thing in Baldur's Gate. You can't, like, drink two potions back to back. There's a there's a cooldown before you can do another, use another item. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually when Balthazar fights, he is constantly, every six seconds or so, using uh, Greater Whirlwind, the high-level ability, for super haste. Mm-hmm. But doing that eliminates his ability to do anything else, right? Like, uh, using one potion, you're foregoing, like, a round of, of haste. Yeah. So uh, I used a potion of haste, and then I just, during the first phase, I uh, I drank health potions to keep my health up. He eventually turns into a dragon, and... I get him into a corner, he wing buffets me to the entrance, but for some reason does not follow me. He de-aggros, I'm able to quick save. Hmm. And then after quick like so I was very lucky to get a quick save while after he was in a, in dragon form. Yeah. And then uh I used protection from lightning and an insulation potion because he uses lightning attacks and his breath's lightning. Mm-hmm. And at that point I experimented around with like different weapon combinations, and it was Rune Hammer. Uh, I think it was either it may, may, I think it was Fobane and Cromfair that that wow. did uh, a Bazigal in. I just clicked on them and hit that button again. <laughs> Let me tell you, there is no better feeling than killing a dragon and not having to fight it, like killing it in one mm-hmm. hit. That's just the that's the bee's knees. It's so good. I wish I could go back through the whole game and do it over and over and over again to all. The, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll make a little video where I'm just spawning in all the dragons from the game and killing them one by one. Or you should you should do a uh, a, a new category of speed run <laughs> for Baldur's Gate with console commands, mm-hmm. like just the, only the kill command, just like running your character 
through the game as quickly as possible and just kill command. Kill oh command, my god, that command. actually might be really. We should stream that one day. You want to? Do you want to do that on our? We could do iron. We could do uh, our next iron, quote unquote, Iron Man run, but just with the, with that command enabled. That could be really good. I well, I need we need to see if you get experience. If you get experience, then you would always like. There's no risk to it. Mm-hmm. You would have to do it uh, that plus no level up. You like locked XP. Yeah. Hmm. It's doable. Yeah. Hold on. Can you hear me? I can. I think it's actually an electrical issue that's going on here. Ooh. But anyway, all right. So let's just uh, let's just do the uh, Abazagal reveal here, and then we'll do back yeah. in Hell World in the next episode. Okay. So when you kill Abazagal, he like with his dying breath communicates a vision to you. Mm-hmm. Which is really weird, right? It's like Vulcan a, mind melds with you. Yeah, it's some very clumsy stuff. And what he reveals is that that Melissa, who you were supposed to meet, remember at uh, uh, Saradush w- it, with uh, Balthazar there, mm-hmm. that uh, Melissa showed up, and then he betrayed her and captured her, and she is inside of his uh, monk compound. His monastery. Balthazar was the bad one the whole time. Uh, he was the bad one the whole time. He was the bad guy. In case you didn't know, wow, we. And then, uh, and so now that's where we are left. Now we have to go and kill Balthazar, who is also a ball spawn. Mm-hmm. Gosh, and that's where that's that's where we ended. And that's where this episode ends. It is. Uh, Next episode, we're going to be going to um, uh, Balthazar's compound, killing Balthazar, mm-hmm. and finishing up this chapter. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of the reasons why I enjoyed this chapter is I enjoy the puzzle of, like, figuring out how to kill the dragons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it takes, like, some time, and I'm, like, looking through my potion bag and, like, my scroll case that I've, like... Like, every merchant I go to, I always buy all the protection scrolls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, like, figuring out, like, scrolling through the chat and, like, figuring out... So, ultimately, this chapter was just... Two little dragon puzzles. Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe if and I like also meta game, meta game puzzling of like quick saving and like when to leave and when to load back in that kind of weird stuff. Yeah, I think if I enjoyed that puzzle more, I would definitely enjoy dragon fights. It's also different too when it's a one v one puzzle versus mm-hmm. a six v one puzzle where I'm trying to make sure no one dies. Yeah, and I'm not at like my ability range is not as big as yours, right? Like, I have a, a plurality, but none of them are as deep. Mm-hmm. So, it's a little... And yeah. a lot of your a lot of your time is just spent doing really fiddly positioning with very fragile people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, triangulating and to making sure, like, mm-hmm. a wind buffet doesn't hit more than one person or a breath weapon. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different yeah. kind of puzzle. I think I would enjoy the kind of puzzle you're doing much more than the one that that I have uh, relieved myself from ever doing again. Well, you'll scrub through the uh, the footage, and and the folks will see. They'll know. The folks will see, see the, the both the puzzle and the the hell click. Yep. 
All right. Well, that was this episode. If you enjoyed listening to it, uh, go and check us out on Twitter down in the description below. Uh, and also uh, on Facebook, you can also uh, subscribe to us. You should do that. You should have done that already. And you can hit the like button down there. If you didn't like it, hit the don't like button. Either is fine with me. It's all about you. Sure buddy mm-hmm. and uh if you really like all this stuff you can come hang out on our discord we play a lot of video games on there we talk a lot about tabletop games and rpgs and all the other stuff that uh the things that we talk about on here are like the stuff is what plus we puns. do plus just puns just a lot of puns pun game strong on the range touch discord and if you really like all of this uh, and if you like listening to what we have to say, you can get even more of that by going to Patreon. For a dollar a month, you can get our newsletter. And for $5 a month, you get access to a very special podcast and maybe some other stuff, too. Uh, you know, For $50 a month, you get our eternal adoration and the title, Wizard Slayer, yes. which there's no other place in the real world you can get that title. Yeah, we'll make you a certificate and we'll mail it to you. It says Perfect. Wizard Slayer on it. We'll do that. We'll commit we'll- to that, right? Yeah, but you heard it here. You heard it here first and only. Mm -hmm. All right, well, we'll see you again in two weeks. Yeah, ciao. So saith Londo.